welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later later in the show, we're going to hear from Bridge Magazine reporter Chastity Pratt-Dossie about how's Mayor Duggan doing with keeping his promises. We have an election coming up here in the city of Detroit in November to decide whether Mike Duggan will serve another four years as the city's mayor. How do you assess the job that he's done? Bridge Magazine has done a lot of thinking about this, and Chastity will fill us in on what that thinking looks like, and we'll um, uh, compare that to the way perhaps that people are thinking about uh, Mike Duggan and the way that he has conducted himself as mayor. Also remember that if you are headed into work or otherwise have to step away from your radio, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. If you go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, you can Download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and then you can take us with you and listen to us when you are ready. All right, up first today, Republicans are in a pretty prickly position in Washington right now. After years as an opposition party to a Democratic president, now they got total control over the policymaking process. And yet, after months of one-party control, not a whole lot has gotten done. The GOP has had their eye on overhauling the country's tax system for decades. But considering the GOP's recent failures to make good on their top priority and biggest campaign promise, uh, repealing Obamacare, how likely is it that they'll be able to overhaul the federal tax system the way they have said for years they want to? What would the current proposal mean for the country and for a state like Michigan? We begin the conversation this morning with Libby Casey, uh, an on-air reporter and anchor covering politics and accountability for the Washington Post. Libby, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. So let's talk about what this proposal would do and how likely it is to find the footing it needs in both houses of Congress to become law. Yeah, one thing it has going for it, the president and Republicans in Congress do seem to be on the same page, which is noteworthy because they weren't necessarily on the same page when it came to health care reform. The president left Republicans in Congress sort of swinging in the breeze a little bit. Um, So we are seeing a push from here in Washington by members of Congress, as well as by the president on the road. He uh, made some announcements in Indiana yesterday, releasing some basic blueprints of what he wants to see. And this does seem to be much more in the president's wheelhouse. It's like a passion of his, working on taxes, thinking about his background in business. Here's some of the hangups. We don't have a lot of concrete details yet. There's still a lot of questions about pay-fors, and Democrats are not on board at this point in any way. It's important to look at some of the details we do have. Now, this plan would reduce the corporate tax rate. It would uh, double the standard deduction, uh, which a lot of people will like, um, expands tax credit for having kids. But because there will have to be some takeaways, some things that go away, we're not entirely sure yet what it might mean for a family. You know, the the president and Republicans can say a family with two kids would get to deduct a lot more money. But if other things go away, like, for example, there are eliminations to personal and dependent exemptions, then it might just be robbing Peter to pay Paul and it may not end up making much of a difference for the middle class. Yeah. And, And that middle class tax relief is the thing that the GOP has been selling and really not exclusively. I mean, Democrats talk about the, the that as a goal as Absolutely. well. But it, it, when you look at the plans on the GOP side, it's really hard to find 
uh, I, I guess, proof that this is really about the middle class. It, it, it almost always seems like it's about people who make a lot more money. Yeah, and you have to do some fact-checking, and we have a fact-checking here at The Post that was going over the president's comments yesterday and, and pointing out sort of where some of the inaccuracies were. One thing the president talked about as an example, he talked about the, the estate tax or what's called the death tax. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said this is crushing and horrible, and this will eliminate the estate tax. It will help small businesses and farms because you think about a farmer dying, and if he has uh, a lot of money on paper because he's got equipment and fields— sure. You know, how how crushing can that tax burden be? Well, guess what? The Congress has worked for years now to reduce that tax rate and carve out a lot of exemptions. So it turns out there aren't that many small businesses and farms that are hit by the estate tax these days, something that a lot of us probably didn't even realize. You know, a married couple has to make $11 million before they get hit by the estate tax when they pass away. So some of the things that sound good on paper or sound good coming out of a politician's mouth, you have to do the math and see well, who's actually impacted. And I think it's worth pointing out, Stephen, that as the president started his speech yesterday, he said, you know, healthcare, that thing we just tried to do, we have the votes and we're going to bring it back and we're going to get it done. And it's this filibuster thing that's standing in our way now. He doesn't have the votes. No, he doesn't even have 50 votes. He he doesn't have the votes. And so whether or not we go by the arcane rules of the Senate, it's not true. And, And so you have to kind of wonder you know, how he's going to get everybody on board and how you can really tell where the momentum is if, if we're not getting some accurate statements on the last battle we just had. Yeah. So, so far, what has been the reaction from congressional leadership to the things that the president's putting on the table? Republicans are on board. You know, th- this is uh, something they've been working on uh, for a long time. And we are seeing some of the conservative groups here on Capitol Hill say, I like it, even though we haven't seen some of those pay fors, which are a really big deal. And as uh, so the details get fleshed out, we'll see where where they end up on this. Um, one thing that even Republican leadership is warning its members is of the massive lobbying effort that's going to take place. Mm-hmm. It's not like lobbyists have been quiet <laughs> in recent months. <laughs> they've been busy earning their keep. But now that we see some of this tax structure, you're going to see a massive push of lobbyists descending on Capitol Hill. And you're even seeing groups like the National Association of Realtors uh, lodge some complaints, even though there is still the deduction you get when you buy a home. They're concerned that people won't use it as much if the standard deduction goes up. So there are going to be a lot of people pushing and saying, no, no, get get rid of this, pull out this, make this carve out. And Speaker Paul Ryan is saying, you got to you got to stand firm on this. Whether the Republicans will be able to is a question. And then you've got the Democrats who are not at all impressed with this plan. Yesterday, we heard President Trump sort of give a jab to Indiana Senator Joe Donnelly Mm -hmm. and say, you know, we're not going to we're going to go after you if you don't vote for this. um, but they're going to go after Joe Donnelly anyway. I mean, there's no <laughs> chance that Republicans are going to be like, oh, you supported tax reform? We'll take a pass at this one. We're not going to try to grab your seat. So, you know, are Democrats really on the line much? There are some that may need to be seen as those, you know, those purple, those purple state Democrats, but they're asking a, a lot of tough questions. And the leadership is already coming out and saying, this is helping the rich. It's not helping the poor. And it's ultimately not, it's hurting the poor. Yeah. And it's ultimately not helping the middle class. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit today. Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Libby Casey. She's an on-air reporter and anchor covering politics and accountability for The Washington Post. We are talking about the effort, the new effort now in Washington to reform the tax code. President Trump announcing what he would like the tax code to 
to look like in America. Big changes, big changes at the top of the earning income brackets, maybe not as many changes in the middle and lower ends of those brackets. What do you think about what he's talking about? Do you trust this Congress to pass a fair tax system that benefits everybody, not just one or two groups of Americans. Uh, Do you feel like the current tax system is fair? Uh, Is it something that you think uh, benefits you and your family? Uh, And do you think the government is spending money, it gets through taxes in a responsible way? If you want to join the conversation, tell us what you think about the president's tax plan. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Libby, one of the real concerns people have uh, about tax tax reform is that when it comes in the form of big breaks, uh, taking money out of the Treasury, uh, we explode the deficit. At the same time, the GOP is constantly talking about the deficit. They spent much of the last eight years criticizing President Obama for uh, the way he exploded the deficit when he got into office. Uh, They never gave him credit even for uh, reducing that explosion over time. I mean, that they they sort of play both ends of this uh, pretty frequently. Where does this plan fit in that narrative? You know, frankly, we don't know yet. Uh, There's still a lot of questions about how you would keep from ballooning the nation's debt if you provide more cuts and breaks. Now, Republicans say this will ultimately be an economic stimulator, but uh, a lot of economists don't agree with that. And they want to see more details about where the pay-fors come from. Um, We are seeing like these conservative groups like the House Freedom Caucus, who've been blocking budget proposals uh, until they got more details. Mm -hmm. They're on board with this right now. They're saying at this point, you know, I, I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far, but we'll see if they raise some red flags as they get more information about the pay-fors. You know, at this point, we're hearing about a lot of the, here's how you'll save money. We're not hearing uh, quite enough yet about who, who won't save money because there have to be losers if there are winners. And we see, you know, big things in here like cutting the corporate tax rate. You know, businesses like that, but does the average American feel like they're actually going to benefit from right, that? Right. And I have to emphasize again, even if you double the standard deduction an American family can take, if you take away those personal deductions, if you take away, for example, state and local deductions, which is in here, then you know you you may end up like you know six of one, half a dozen of the other. It, it may not really impact your family in a positive way. In fact, it may even mean you pay more. One goal I think everybody has, for the most part maybe except for these lobbyists, Mm -hmm. is simplifying the tax code. Um, And so that's something that that the GOP is saying this would do. But when you simplify it, you tend to lose deductions and incentives. And uh, and the tax code is more than just about, you know, doing calculations. It's also about encouraging Americans to buy a home and save money for the future. Um, So there are always going to be problems, even as you simplify. Yeah, yeah. this president has had some trouble, as I as I pointed out in the uh, in the intro, selling what he wants to do to his own party. Right, uh, this is a president who, who campaigned on dismantling the Affordable Care Act uh, and and many other things, and he just doesn't seem to quite understand yet how you go from proposal to legislation that gets passed and then you know put on your desk to sign. Do you have any sense of how he might 
try to sell this plan to, uh, to to skeptical Republicans in the in the Congress or the Democrats. He's been all over the place uh, in those approaches so far. Right. He really has. And, and I, I guess the question is, who does he need to sell it to? Because Republicans are, are already chomping at the bit to work on this. And, you know, they do have the majority in the House, the mm-hmm. Senate. They've got the White House. So the question is, can they push forward? Do they need Democrats on board? If they need Democrats on board, they'll have to have an actual bipartisan process um, through which bills go to committee. It's very unsexy, right? It's very unglamorous. But when you hear John McCain complaining about regular order, that's regular order. That's the process he and other Republicans who are upset about the health care push. Mm-hmm. They want to see this process where a bill goes to a committee. You talk about it. You pull things out you don't like. You put things in that people want. Um, and, and it gains steam that way. This tax bill process may take more of that direction. But until we see details, it, it's not going to be uh, you know, really crystal clear about whether Democrats will have a say at the table to contribute. And, and do they even want to have a say at the table to contribute at this point? Yeah. Um, we saw Donald Trump reach out to Democratic leaders, but he's also been slapping them back at the same time. So I don't think there's a lot of trust built up uh, you know, among congressional Republicans or uh, congressional Democrats at this point in terms of taking the president at his word. And I want to put out one more thing, Stephen. You know, uh-huh. a big question that a, a lot of Americans are asking is, well, what does this mean for the rich? And Donald Trump is a very rich man. Yeah. And he said yesterday, you know, this is not like this is not going to give tax breaks for people like me. And our fact checkers found that not to be the case. Now, it's difficult to know the details because he hasn't released his tax returns. But when it comes to like the AMT, for example, uh, he would benefit. When it comes to the estate tax, his heirs would benefit. Um, so you can't always take the president's words um, to be entirely in line with the facts when yeah. it comes to the rollout of some of these plans. And that can be tough for Congress because they're the ones who have to actually say, well, OK, I guess we're going to have to rejigger this, you know, if, if we're going to try to make true on what the president just said. Yeah. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones if you want to join the conversation. Uh, I'm talking with Libby Casey, an on-air reporter and anchor who covers politics and accountability for The Washington Post. We're talking about the tax plan that the president put out on the table yesterday. Uh, What do you think of the things that he wants to change about tax structure here in America? Is it going to benefit you and your family, or do you think it might be aimed at benefiting people who are much wealthier. Uh, again, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Sarah in Gross Point. Sarah, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hey, how are you? I just had a, just a couple of comments. One, um, I'm, I'm concerned. Obviously, there isn't a lot of information out there and hasn't been a lot of time to research. But what has come out, it concerns me that um, the, the tax cuts do favor the wealthy, as was just mentioned, Donald Trump being one of them. Um, but secondly, Donald Trump's comments about if we, you know, cut business taxes, cut the corporate tax, well, then we're going to get a lot more businesses to come in. And I just wanted to say that Kansas has already tried and failed at that. Mm-hmm. Um, their, most, their governor, Governor Brownback, who's now in the Trump administration, tried that very thing, and it failed. So, you know, I don't know what they're, what they're backing that up with, but... Yeah. Um, that's just a concern I have. Uh, Sarah, that is a really great uh, example of uh, some of the struggles that the GOP is having right now, selling uh, this idea of uh, tax reform the way they want to approach it. And, and there aren't 
any really great examples of it working without causing uh, real, real trouble with with deficits and and growth not filling the holes and and things like that. Uh, Libby, I wonder how much the Kansas example, which has gotten a lot of national attention, uh, might weigh in the minds of uh, you know of of the Congress as they as they think about this. Well, that's a great question, and she brings up the very important point that Governor Brambach was was pulled from that sticky yeah. wicket yeah. to work at the State Department to uh, head an office of international religious freedom. Um, so he's clearly someone who the president is aligned with and, and vice versa. I, I don't know if Republicans are willing to look at that example and and take heed from it. Democrats certainly point to it and say that that is giving uh, credence and and credibility to the arguments that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, that that opening the floodgates too much has real repercussions and it ultimately hurts the middle class and it hurts the lower class. Uh, it hurts people who are struggling. It hurts people who are um, you know trying to raise their status and, and get ahead. Um, but that's not what Republicans are trying to point to right now. I mean, they are really eager uh, to take advantage of this moment. They have President Trump's attention. And let's be honest, Congress hasn't had President Trump's attention on a lot of things. He he sort of did some half-hearted pushes on health care, then he criticized the leadership, then he sort of made fun of them, um, then he was knocking members of his own party. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. even is, this wooing process that usually happens uh, was not. Instead, he was, you know, going after, attacking people like Lisa Murkowski of yeah. Alaska on Twitter. And that's like not what, you know, when you do that in a state like Alaska, They've suddenly got their senators back in a brand new way because mm-hmm. you don't you don't go after, you know, you don't go after mom. You don't go after your sister. <laughs> Nobody messes with our team. Right? right. And so I think Republicans have been frustrated that the president hasn't been doing more of a hand, you know, reaching out in the way that he did to some Democratic leadership, frankly. Sure. But once again, they are on board with this because uh, a couple of reasons. Republicans in leadership in Congress have wanted this tax reform for a long time. President Trump has campaigned on this, but also seems to truly uh, have buy-in. He believes in it. And if they don't get this done, I, I mean, I don't know where they go from there. You know, they, they failed on a number of other fronts. And, you know, they've, they've got to they've got to hit this one out of the park or they may be in some real political trouble yeah, uh, yeah. if they aren't already. And, and that's a, that's a big question mark. Let's go to Chuck in Brighton. Chuck, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, and uh, thank you for uh, listening to me. Sure. Uh, an old adage that uh, my grandfather told me, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. <laughs> uh, in regard to this this tax proposal, whatever it is, uh, the other thing is, is this is the information age. And since the Republican Congress has shown itself to be less than competent in terms of, of preparing legislation, uh, the way they're approaching this this tax situation with another going to fix everything kind of bill, uh, I think we need to check every every dot and every T that's crossed. Yeah. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Yeah, uh, Chuck, I think that's uh, that's great advice. Uh, I know at the post there, Libby, you guys are are fly specking these things uh, in a way that that. Uh, perhaps we haven't seen before, uh, you know, Chuck noting that this is the information age. But the, the, the trouble, I think, is in asserting that truth over the noise, right? Uh, the noise not just from the White House or the Congress, but from these interest groups that you're talking about that are so focused on getting what they need out of, uh, out of, this, uh, out of this effort. 
And it's just part of the institution of Washington. And, you know, I, I interviewed a group this week um, that is an all-volunteer lobbying group that represents kids with complex medical needs. And these this is these are lobbyists, too, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Just, just because you're... Uh, got the L word, the lobbyist word, doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you know, rolling in big money sure. and you're you're um, you're trying to sort of work for uh, a company that might employ you or might pay you. So the fact that people can lobby here in Washington and have access to their members of Congress is is part of the beauty of the system. What congressional leaders are warning against, of course, is this influence, this really strong influence they have. And as soon as you start making exceptions for one group, uh, you then have to figure out, okay, how are we going to pay for their carve out? And then how are we going to help this, you know, this other group? Um, and, you know, I, I want to bring up something, Stephen. I, sure. you know, Governor Brownback is still in Kansas, is still the governor of Kansas. Yeah. It would be really fascinating, wouldn't it, to, to hear a roundtable conversation where you get him, you get uh, Vice President Pence, who's in your state today, um, who, uh, mm-hmm. of course, was the governor of Indiana, to have a conversation and talk about uh, what their experiences have taught them, right? Yeah. Talk about what their budgeting experiences have taught them and have a really frank conversation, have some Democrats at the table as well, perhaps even Democratic uh, mayors or governors who are dealing with this on that more granular local level. But we're not in a climate where those sort of bipartisan frank conversations are happening. Yeah. Okay. Libby Casey, on-air reporter and anchor who covers politics and accountability for The Washington Post. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Up next, we're going to talk with a local economist about what the plan could mean for a state like Michigan. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Jeff in Pontiac, Richard in Hamtramck. We will work you into the conversation as well. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. WDET, bringing you culture and information that empowers our community. Every day. On 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We've been talking about the proposal in Washington to overhaul the tax code pretty significantly uh, announced by President Donald Trump yesterday. We were talking with Libby Casey of The Washington Post about how this might land in Congress, how likely it is to get through, and what kind of effect it would have uh, nationally. Now we want to turn the focus more locally and talk about how this plan might affect a state like Michigan. And joining us to help sort that out is Charlie Ballard. He is a Michigan State University economist. Charles, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the program. Yeah. So I, I know this proposal is fairly new and not everyone has had a chance to to go through it with a fine-toothed comb, but, but give me your initial reactions to what the president says he wants to do. Well, of course, there isn't a whole lot to go through a fi- with a fine-toothed comb at all because yeah. the many, many, many details have not been fleshed out. But basically what this is is a tax cut. Um, it's, there isn't a whole lot of what, you, what I would call tax reform. It's mostly a tax cut. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so is that a good thing? Well, that depends 
uh, partly on what you think about whether we should continue to run large federal budget deficits. Uh, we're currently about uh, over $400 billion a year. This would more than double that, probably. We'd be running deficits of about a trillion a year for the foreseeable future. Um, one question that, uh, that I think is a very big one is, would this pe- put people back to work? Um, and uh, if this were, you know, we, we had tax cuts back during the worst days of the Great Recession. We mm-hmm. had some more tax cuts uh, in uh, some subsequent years. Those make a whole lot of sense when you've got 14% unemployment. When unemployment is at 4% or even lower in many parts of the country, um, we're already very, very close to full employment. Thus, I th- my sense is that the argument that this will create jobs is an argument that would have made sense eight years ago, doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. I don't think that there are a whole lot of Michiganders, or in fact people in other parts of the country, who uh, are unemployed, but gosh, if we just juice the the system with a little bit more tax cut, they would be employed. I think that effect is likely to be very small. Yeah, yeah. What about the effect on the deficit uh, and then as a result on the debt? Republicans make a lot of that when they are campaigning. It seems like when they're in office and making decisions, it takes less of, uh, of a precedent. Right. Uh, that's one of the ongoing ironies of the hyperpartisan uh, world in which we live now. Uh, Republicans uh, are very, were very angry at deficits that took place in the Obama administration. Now it seems that there's, there's some debate within the Republican uh, Party about how much they want to add to the deficit. But you have very few deficit hawks now that there is a Republican uh, president. Um, if it were, I am sort of a deficit hawk uh, myself. I don't like the fact that we have um, uh, government debt, yeah. if, which is what you get when you add up all those deficits over all the years of, sure. uh, you know, many, many trillions of dollars. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones to join the conversation. We're talking about uh, President Trump's uh, tax plan. What do you think about it? What do you think it will mean for your family? Is this uh, net positive or something that puts you maybe in a uh, less less stable financial position? Uh, and do you trust Congress to make decisions that are about helping the most people in America? Or are they looking at very specific constituencies that they are close to uh, to try to benefit with legislation like this. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Richard in Hamtramck. Richard, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a, a uh, an understanding that the reform is supposed to um, not tax only the profits made here in the states and not tax any uh, profits made outside of the country. Would that possibly encourage companies to move operations out of the country? Right. Uh, yeah, that, I don't know, but Richard, you know. 
Richard, that's a great that's a great question. Um, uh, Charles Ballard, I'm going to give you a chance to, to yeah. address that issue. Uh, the, the proposal as it's been put forth so far, and of course there's a lot of details that may change, but there, this proposal is not to stop taxing uh, the uh, profits of, of overseas affiliates. Rather, what this is, the, the tax treatment of foreign source income is extraordinarily complicated, and one feature of it is that if you have profits on your Singapore affiliate, those are supposed to be taxed in the United. Those are subject to tax in the United States, but only when you send the money back to the United States. Mm-hmm. As a result, uh, American companies are estimated to have about 2.6 trillion dollars of money parked overseas. Some of which they would probably bring back if it weren't if it were not for this feature of the tax code. Now, the Trump tax plan, as it's been put forth so far, would have a reduced rate if you bring those profits back, and that would probably bring some of that money back. Now, of course, we don't know what companies would do with that money. There's a lot of indication that what they would do would be to uh, repurchase the shares and to pay dividends, which would help their stockholders, but wouldn't do much to improve the overall economy or to help the average worker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard, again, thanks very much for the call. Uh, Jennifer in West Bloomfield, you're up next on Detroit Today. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Jennifer. So um, I I have a couple comments. Number one, I am part of the 1%, Mm -hmm. but I... Do pay actually do pay taxes, unlike certain members of our government. Um, the question is, there's two things. Uh, I don't want to saddle my children and my children's children with excessive amounts of government debt that who knows will ever be repaid. The, the Reaganomics trickle-down theory did not work in the 80s. It's not going to happen again. And will the people actually pay their amount of tax? Because, you know, even if you say, oh, we're giving a certain amount of tax, it doesn't mean it's getting paid. How about everybody pay their fair share? Right, right. Um, uh, that, that's one of the ongoing debates in our, in our country, Jennifer, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up, which is who bears the burden of financing the government? And, and Charles, I'll give you a chance to, to address how this, uh, this proposal uh, w- would affect that, that, that question and that narrative. Yeah, uh, the, the caller said pay their fair share. Of course, what's fair to one person <laughs> right. might be unfair to another. That's the sticking point. Dr- yeah. Dramatically different views about what's fair. What this is, this is very much in the, in the tone of the Reagan tax cuts of 1981 and the Bush tax cuts of 01 and 03, reducing taxes on the highest folks and uh, reducing uh, uh, capital in, taxes on capital income on the owners of capital, in particular the corporate tax. Uh, this one would also eliminate the estate tax um, so that Ivanka Trump would get more when her father passes away. Um, this, uh, and, you know, the recent Wall Street Journal NBC poll indicated 62% of Americans want taxes to go up yes. on those at the top. Yes. And this is going in the opposite direction. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. But this is a, this is basically, this is a reduction in the progressivity of the tax system. This gives the vast majority of its benefits to those at the top. 
if I may say one more thing about sure. the, the, the caller, I think she was referring to the fact that there are a lot of people who use either outright evasion or who use clever um, accounting procedures to not pay what you might think they should pay. Um, that's, that's a very real uh, phenomenon, but I, I want to caution. A lot of people think that everybody has massive evasion. That's not true. Most people pay pretty close to what the law would, would indicate that they to should. Do. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jennifer, again, thanks very much for the call and the question. Jeff and Pontiac, you're up next uh, on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, as it exists now, uh, owners of municipal bonds can earn interest that is federal tax-free. Past proposals to change the tax code have suggested eliminating that provision. Yeah. I wonder if that provision is in the current proposal, and how might that affect cities like Detroit and across the nation? Yeah, uh, great question, Jeff. Uh, Charles Ballard, go ahead. Uh, to the best of my understanding, that one is not in this current proposal, mm-hmm. although, of course, um, it, it's been talked about in the past. It could easily be talked about uh, now. Um, the one that is in this proposal is to eliminate the deduction for state and local taxes. And since, uh, and that applies mostly to um, property taxes and income taxes. Mm-hmm. And Michigan is a high property tax state. We're a sort of a average or below average income tax state. And uh, so there are a lot of Michigan taxpayers who would lose that portion of their deduction. Um, The other aspect is that the standard deduction uh, would be doubled under this proposal, and that would mean that most Michigan residents would no longer itemize their deductions. You wouldn't have to fill out that complicated Schedule A. And so one possible advantage of this proposal is that it would simplify. It would mean that fewer taxpayers have to spend all their a whole lot of time keeping track of their charitable contributions and all that. So the the record keeping would go down. However, if you're a person in a state like Michigan where we've we pay a lot of income taxes, mm-hmm. uh, um, and you're a high-income person. That's a deduction that you would lose, um, and that would be offset partly by the the reduction in the uh, in the tax in the tax rate for the highest earners. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Charles Ballard, Michigan State University economist. Thanks very much for being here and helping us flesh out the questions around this tax proposal on Detroit today. My pleasure. Yeah. All right, up next, WDET's Sandra Soboda speaks with Bridge Magazine's Chastity Pratt-Dossity about her analysis of how Mayor Duggan is doing, keeping his promises about what he was going to do in office. It's all next on Detroit Today. Mm -hmm. 